0: Welcome to a special edition of the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast, where every week I talk about the inner workings of the entertainment industry with those who have lived it and experienced it. I'm your host, Derek Diamond. And before we go any farther, I have to remind you that if you haven't yet, be sure to check out last week's episode where I listed my and your top five movies from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Easily one of my favorite lists to do. Uh, One that, you know, I appreciate all the great feedback for, all the submissions, Uh, The top five lists just continue to keep getting popular, so this is one that easily could have been a top ten list, so be sure to check out that fun episode. I mentioned it last week, but over the next few weeks, we're going to be diving back into the well of episodes of the Feature Presentation Podcast while the show's on break for the holidays, and today we're going to be revisiting my conversation with producer Zach Thompson, and he was one of the first guests that I had on feature presentation back in early 2022. He's worked on numerous projects since the 1990s, including Dumb and Dumber, Independence Day, and most notably, James Cameron's first Avatar movie. Really fun and insightful conversation. Zach is a really well-spoken and really smart guy. I would love to have him on the Derek Diamond Experience for a follow-up at some point in the future. It was great getting to pick his brain about, you know, what a producer actually does. We all think of actors, directors—you know, the the what we call the sexy jobs—but uh, producers are very important, and you'll be hearing about that in this conversation. So, without further ado, here is a look back at my conversation with Zach Thompson. And we're back here on the Feature Presentation Podcast with my special guest this week, filmmaker Zach Thompson. Zach, how are you? Doing great. Fantastic. And I was loving the chat we were having before, you know, we started recording because as I was telling you, I was reading your bio on IMDb and I thought hearing your story from you directly would be a great inspiration for, you know, aspiring filmmakers like myself and others that might be listening to this podcast. So uh, let's just dive right in. And what was it that initially made you want to get into the film industry? So that's
1: a, that's a great question. I, of course, I grew up with my brothers. Like, just always, our escape was to watch movies, to go to the movie theater, or to just sit down, like at night, and just binge on movies. Some of my favorite, some of our favorite movies, like the original Batman and Ninja Turtles, and it was so fun. And it was such a fun escape that I, but I wanted to be part of that storytelling. And there was a my scoutmaster at the time. Uh, he actually said, "Hey, you," because he, I had a lot of energy back in uh, middle school and high school, and he said. He said, come out, work on these film sets with me. And he was actually one of the medics out on a lot of the sets. Um, And so that's actually where I got to work on, like Dumb and Dumber and Independence Day as a PA and extra. And from there, I just started making connections and had a great time telling the story, you know, uh, being a part of the storytelling and started making more connections in the industry.
0: I love that you mentioned the original Ninja Turtles movie. That's actually the first movie I ever saw in theaters really <laughs> yep I was I was four years old and even I think even back then that's where I kind of fell in love with the storytelling of movies you know some love like you know, the big action films like and, and I like those too but uh, even from an early age I found myself loving you know, getting lost in the story for you know two hours or however long the movie might be it's a great escape and yeah I, I'm sure you agree with me I think filmmaking to me is the greatest art form that's out there no disrespect to any you know sculptors or painters but crafting a movie every movie is a miracle in a way yeah
1: absolutely the funny thing is i as i talk to people about this because i it took me 10 years to figure out what i didn't want to do in the industry so i tried all different aspects and there are so many different facets to making a good movie which again sculptors and artists and there's different things and way to convey the human experience and their story but nothing like zooming in close on a tight shot and being able to have music and the ambiance, like all of those elements together make the movie industry like the best venue to to convey stories. I agree with you.
0: Absolutely. Because it, it takes so many different moving parts to make a movie happen. You know, we all think of the Spielbergs and, you know, the, the Tom Hankses of the world, and they're important. Don't get me wrong, but it, it takes everyone working together, whether it's down to the PA, all the way up to the director, they all have to work together to make the project happen. Whether it's a small indie film or a big budget feature,
1: oh, totally agreed. In fact, it's interesting. I'm always sharing this uh, mathematical equation that doesn't quite work out. I say half of the movie is the lighting, half of the movie is the audio, half of the half of the movie is the acting, half of the movie is the story, and I just keep going on like that on every different facet. The previs, the and and if you take away one of those you literally lose half your movie. So like every aspect is so important. Now mind you people are forgiving of the quality of sound or lighting in, in different occasions if the story is just incredible. They're willing to forgive that you know that lack of but but yeah it's every aspect is important. In fact my older brother he and I are in the in the film industry and he's actually one of the best previs artists in the um uh, he was actually previous soup on uh, the movie Dune that just came out. In fact it was fucking oh, awesome! Great in, movie. Uh, Budapest a couple years ago yeah it in fact now he's going to be working on the 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 subsequent films because he loves working with Denis Villeneuve and Denis is such a great guy but um, anyway so it's fun because so he and I had been going to the comic cons for years and so this is how we uh, we always were geeking out on all the all the stories that we grew up with and then so it's fun now to actually be a part of that part of that industry and be a part of the storytelling aspect
0: Absolutely, because you grow up a fan, you realize yeah it's a lot of work once you get actually into the industry. But if you have that passion and that drive, it's not like work.
1: Oh yeah! In fact, I think a lot of people have a misconception they they either one think that they're going to go wait tables, waiting for their big you know in L.A. waiting for their you know big break, and that's just the that's the wrong way to approach it. Now it, the beauty of technology is literally enabled everybody to be able to tell a story, whether it's on any one of these mediums, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, like all these different, uh, forums where you can be a, you know, a content creator. And, and for example, me as a producer at this point, I'm always looking for somebody that can actually get things done. Um, and so when somebody comes to me and they're like, Hey, I want to get in the industry. It's like, okay, what do you want to do? First of all. And second, like, if that's what you want to do, show me what you can do so I can get an idea on what it is you can do. Cause again, essentially you don't, you know, somebody new, you don't know them from Adam. Right. And so you, you're like, that's why I'm always encouraging people to do what I did, which was write your own ticket. You get some experience in the industry. You work on different levels. That's once you get your foot in the door, but at the end of the day, you still have to kind of prove what you can do. And if you can show something for it. I'm always encouraging people to write your own ticket, create something, something that you're passionate about so you can actually show it like a show reel or a um, just a demo reel so people can go, oh, okay, I can see what he, he can get something done. That's good.
0: Well, also much like you did starting out as a PA because if you're a PA, you can kind of, you know, watch what everyone's doing. You can watch the DP set up the camera and the lighting. You can watch the director rehearse with the actors. You can really kind of immerse yourself in all of it, if you so choose is, is that what you did?
1: Oh, yeah, I was so fortunate to be able to work on so many projects, being able to just exactly what you're saying from a disc from, a well, kind of close up and not either being behind the camera or in front of the camera, but just being able to like appreciate the, uh, the etiquette and, and the, the flow of everything and what people are doing, what they're accomplishing. And, and as a PA, I realized, okay, if I can anticipate what they need, I can become useful in fact when i got to work on the set of avatar back in 2008 or whenever it was when i got to work on it uh it was interesting nolan murtha he was actually the uh he was the guy who actually brought me on he said the my first day he threw the script of avatar in my lap and he said zach make yourself invaluable and i was like okay so i spent the the you know most of the day like reading it and then i came in and i was like okay make myself invaluable and so I took that as understand what everybody needs is doing in this super complicated process, much more complicated than the average movie. And so I really tried to just digest what everybody was doing so I can anticipate and become helpful to everybody. And, and so then I was able to ultimately be uh, an asset. And so I even tell people that if you're, if you haven't done anything and you just want to make your break. And I've actually told on many occasions, I've said, give a month of your time for free to any one of these people. So then they don't have to be worried about, well, can you do anything? Am I get how much am I going to be paying out? But if you're just assisting them and then you accomplish tasks that they give you, then they go, oh, this is good. They don't have to be worrying about, am I making my money's worth on this person? And I've helped a bunch of people get through that, that they got to the point where they did show that they were valuable. And then after a month, they were able to actually get opportunities and intern and things like that.
0: And you never really know where opportunity is going to come. That's why you have to put yourself out there. No matter what role might seem minuscule at the time, you just never know unless you actually do it where you might end up years later. Oh, and
1: I actually just wrote, I I wrote an article the other day that got published in a, in a uh, online forum, or magazine. And it, and I was talking about how, well, the question they posed was what is, what are some of the most important things you think are important in the industry? And I said, I said, honestly, treat everyone with respect, appreciate everybody, treat everyone with dignity. It doesn't matter who you are. Like if you're the, you know, the highest paid actor or, or you know, uh, you know, the lowest paid uh, PA or uh, extra, treat everyone with respect because one, everyone has an intrinsic, intrinsic value. And, and b- besides that, you don't know who you're going to end up being possibly working for in the future. If you stay in the industry, I've seen people go throughout the ranks and it's been fun because you kind of switch positions and roles. And so I'm always encouraging everybody to be respectful and just uh, to everybody, but work really, really hard.
0: It reminds me of this. um, I won't call it a meme. It was more like one of those inspirational posts you see on Instagram. It was a picture of Bradley Cooper shaking hands with Benedict Cumberbatch. And it said, you're never too important to be nice to people. And that's Really what it is, because if you're a jerk, no one wants to work with you because the, right. the film industry, it's it may seem huge, but word travels fast no well, matter what is, industry you're in.
1: Yeah, it is very small. And at the end of the day, you want to work with people you want to work with. And I saw one time on a on a project, this a PA yelling at the the caterers. And I was like, man, first of all, who are you to yell at a caterer? Second of all, why? I mean, it's not. It, it doesn't work being a bully like, a, you know, in the high school thing where you're, you, per, you perceived you know, like you're, you're more important by being rude, but it doesn't get you. I mean, we're in 2021. It doesn't pay to be rude. I and, don't think it ever really did. I'm just saying.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, especially now with, because also you never know, not saying anybody would be, but you never know who might have their phone out and they see, you know, someone being rude to another They can always hit the record button. Yeah, I mean, once, once it's all, out there, it's out there.
1: Exactly. If we could all be like Keanu Reeves, just kind to everyone, this world would be a better place. Uh, that man is a national treasure.
0: <laughs> Amen to that.
1: <laughs> he's one, one of the people I want to work with or at least meet someday. He's, he's a gem.
0: Yeah, I, as all the stories I've heard about him, I would love to just meet him for five minutes and just chat with him. Just, I mean, I, I have no doubt that the stories are true, but I'd love to experience it for myself because I'm like... There's no way anyone on this planet could be that nice. But I, I believe the stories.
1: No, he, he it is, especially in fact, I, I was able to give a lecture uh, recently and I was talking to, to uh, about how, again, being kind to everyone and some of the most and not to try to avoid difficulties in life, because, again, that's part of life. Um, and, that, and that's the beauty of the struggle of drama and movies that we watch. We love to see people overcome. Right. The underdog. We love to see people improve. But I was talking about um, how some of the most interesting people I've ever heard of or had the pleasure to meet have literally had some of the most difficult situations in their life. And Keanu, as an example, he's he's been through, had some rough life experiences, and I think that has helped shape him to become a more kind, generous person. And so, if you've ever been hurt, don't reciprocate that hurt. You know, be kind. Like turn around and, and spread positivity
0: and I've used this phrase, you know, ad nauseum on previous podcasts I've done and just in life in general, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it. I, I heard that yeah. saying, I can't remember exactly where, but it's been almost a decade and I've lived by that, or at least I try to ever since, because no matter what minuscule thing might happen to you, if you make it out to be a bigger deal than it might be, or worse than it is, that's what it's going to be. Yeah.
1: I mean, we're all flawed humans. You know, we just got to give up our best, give people some flexibility and be patient with them. And and then, of course, hopefully people can can be patient with us as well. But that'll just make a better world.
0: No, absolutely. But to backtrack a little bit, you mentioned working on Avatar. Mm -hmm. How was your experience working on that film? And did anyone have any idea that it would be as big as it became? Because for those who may not know, it's currently the highest grossing movie ever made. Correct. So it's how, how was, how was your, I know it, it was in a fight with Avengers Endgame for a bit, but it, since then it's retaken the the lead, but how was yeah. your experience working on that film?
1: Oh, honestly, let's see if I can keep it short there. I learned so much. First of all, it was such uh, a, an incredible opportunity to work with one of my favorite directors. Um, and in fact, it was fun because I got to work with my brother Tyler on it as well. So we got to work on what we call a sexy project, something that we can be proud of, the kind of movies that you're like, you know, we, we used to watch and love going to see in the theaters. And then, of course, we got to be a part of one. Um, and so working with my brother, working with the director, um, I wrote a little bit about that as well, but some of the other things that I found that were were so incredible is, there were a lot of incredibly talented people on there, and it was one of the one of the few movies that I felt like everybody was a real family. Everybody worked really, really, really hard, and 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 treated each other really well. In fact, sometimes people talk like Jim Cameron has the you know, he's quite intense. Um, he he can be intense. Um, in fact, I remember one time, uh, so he and I I was out with the virtual camera and marking his spots with these little black T uh, T shaped sandbags. And uh, we we're out on the, the this gray volume stage, if you see in the images where um, Jim's going around, and it's just he and I. And I'm like holding the cable, make sure you kind of run around and not trip on it. And and uh, and one time he was like, well, typically a director will be like, okay, here's the starting, the stopping point, and whatnot. And I was, uh, I got to the point where he was so used to kind of just repicking his shots just by stepping that he would test out a couple, and then he would quit he forgot to communicate to me. And, and I started to learn how to, I just had to learn how to read his kind of facial expressions to see where, which one of the starting and stopping points he liked. And on more than one occasion, he'd be like, no, Zach, I want it here. And he, you know, and slide it with his foot or whatever. And, and of course I'm not going to, you know, be like, well, you never told me like, it's just, just roll with it. Right. And just understand that he is actually a genius. The guy works so fast that he gets impatient with people or used to get impatient, were impatient with people that weren't keeping up with him. And I can appreciate that. And I, re- I can respect that. Um, but it's but anyway, I, I would also recommend people if they want to kind of get a, a flavor of him now, watch the masterclass that Jim does on storytelling. It's, uh, it's really incredible, but it, for me working with him back then, it was, it was just a, it was just one of those, uh, moments where, you know, nobody really thought to answer your other, other part of the question. Nobody really thought that it was going to be the the top grossing movie. Now I worked at 20th century Fox in century city, uh, back in 2003. And so, and that was just a couple years after Titanic med been all time grossing movie of ever of all time. And, um, and it was interesting because apparently Fox had actually even having that experience with Jim Cameron, they still turned down the first time when, uh, um, I guess Victoria Rossellini, or I don't know if I'm supposed to be saying this, but anyway, she, uh, They passed on Avatar the first time at Fox. And then, of course, Dune Entertainment came in and they ended up doing it, which was great. And, of course, it was ahead of its time. Uh, Jim gives a lot of credit for watching what they did on Lord of the Rings with uh, with Gollum to know that the technology had finally caught up to what his vision was to accomplish that. But when I first read the script, I was like, okay, this is this is cool. Um, It's it's um, it's a good story because he knows how to make good character arcs and just, you know, a, a good, solid story um, that's one of his gifts. And I thought, but this feels like Pocahontas or like Fern Gully, you know, the old animation I used to watch. So I didn't think it was like too much of an original story, but the way he comes in and can just beef up the different aspects to make it next level. That's, I think that's part of his genius as well. And so, and, and of course the, the timing was incredible. I mean, he's worked on, he's literally created some of the best movies of all time and, and he's super, uh, you know, he's just, he's just great at what he does. I don't know if that answers your question, but it was, it was quite an experience and quite fun. But then of course, when we started seeing the visuals come back from uh, Weta Digital and, you know, at Weta down in New Zealand, the previous stuff, for example, that my brother would actually do the initial kind of layout and pick the, create the environment. So Jim could kind of pick the angles, then Weta would layer all the details on and the grass and the, the, all the glowing elements and the you know, sweat and water, all the kind of fun stuff, all the details. As soon as we'd start seeing those dailies come back, we're like, this is actually spectacular. And then we'd put them in uh, wheels where we'd um, make sure the interocular convergence was just perfect. So uh, that, you know, for the human eye rather than like making it too far away. Cause it, that those are the kind of 3d movies that would get you kind of nauseous. If you're, if it's not uh, aligned with where, how your, your eyes would actually see that. So we'd clean those up in wheels until every shot was literally perfect, and that's one of the reasons why it took so long for Jim because he's a perfectionist in in a lot of ways. He like he just does it right, you know. He and so that's kind of actually one of the ways that I uh, felt I needed to be kind of a perfectionist in my in some of my projects. Um, but then I, there's there's a balance. There's kind of two sides to that. I mean, we don't have to necessarily get into it, but it was it's it was incredible to watch him work and it gave me a lot of inspiration. And then I kind of went down the path of a few things. In fact, uh, finite water was one of my documentaries that I did after that Jim kind of inspired me to do. I, it was about water conservation. And that went on to win like 30, 30 some odd awards, which was quite fun. But the interesting thing is I didn't try to perfect that one. I just tried to create something and just get it done because I had a successful person tell me one time, perfection is the enemy to done. And Sometimes getting something done is better than making it perfect. But then on the flip side, if you have the luxury of time and money that Jim did, and um, if you're if you're doing it at your own accord, but then again, my older brother tells me he's like, he's like art is never done. And I he's like it's just the director tells you to stop working on it at, at a certain point. So anyway, there's kind of a, a conundrum there.
0: No, no, I, I love hearing all that. And I, I can imagine, you know, when you think of directors in the industry. Not too many more that you could think of higher than James Cameron that you'd want to work with because you mentioned you know, Terminator, True Lies, Titanic, alien. some of the most alien, yeah. some of the most iconic movies that have ever been made. He directed, and his strive to be perfect is why those movies are so good and why they yeah. still stand the test of time. You know, I I call the original Terminator probably the most the most successful independent movie ever made, because it was a B-level movie at mm-hmm. the time. And then you look at Terminator 2, which to me, that that film should be taught in all film classes from sound editing to script, acting, all of it. Like it's, I, I say it's probably a perfect movie. And, and, yeah. and, and you know, I remember when, uh, yeah, and when, when Avatar came out, and I, I love that you mentioned Fern Gully, because that's what I thought of, too, with the, the setting and the way the characters kind of looked. It made me think of Fern Gully. And I hadn't seen that movie in you know many, many years up mm-hmm. until that point. But it, it really was an event when that movie came out because it, it had so much hype. And the story did remind me of, you know, a little bit of Pocahontas, a little bit of Fern Gully. But I think it was different enough that I wouldn't call it like a carbon copy and the, the visuals uh, still to me are probably the best visuals I've ever seen in any movie to this day. It was just, it was incredible what, what was pulled off. So that, that's awesome that you got to be a part of it and you got to learn so much under someone like a James Cameron and just, you know, watching him work.
1: I got so much FaceTime with him that it was, you know, and, and I was, I, I could put up with him kind of barking at me when I wasn't like, fast enough, but I was, I was still actually really fast. It's one of the things I, you know, I've had year had had years of experience and just trying to read and whatnot uh, the situation. But, but again, I'm beyond grateful for having that experience. But one of the things you mentioned that I, I want to kind of share a little bit on is, you know, you mentioned some stuff about like Jim and like the way he, he, had, it was a great, great example of something where he took it to the next level because, you know, Bob Z or Robert Zemeckis, he took, he had certain movies that, um, he was able to use similar technology. And then of course, Jim took existing technology and, and we're always building on the giants of the, uh, the shoulders or whatever, the, 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 previous people. Right. And I think that's really encouraging. And once you actually learn the storytelling ability and you get a camera in your hand and you know how to make a starting, and, you know, a, complete a movie, then you can actually start adding and tweaking. In fact, Jim even talks about that in his masterclass again. Um, it's fun because he just recaps, it does such a great job of conveying, good storytelling and, and ways to kind of improve your skills. And then once you do that, never, you know, I guess the, the thing is, don't, don't think that somebody else has done it. Um, there's always new things to do. There's new, new ways to approach things. I mean, nobody thought that Jim was going to take the, that technology and make it so certain, like, so re, hyper-realistic um because of the, you know, actual movements where you felt like you were there rather than kind of steady, kind of robotic, too perfect of shots, you know, that, that our, our human eye kind of senses the first feels very robotic, but with Jim, like when he's whipping around in the jungle, like that's him first person in like a, in, you know, in that virtual world recording, recording it anew. And anyway, it's just, it's awesome because uh, there, there are more ways there as as technology continues to advance, there's always some kind of new spin and new way to, to add to it. So, so, you know, trust yourself and take, and take that,
0: take those opportunities and try new things. Absolutely. I can't wait to take that Masterclass too. I, I've done the the Aaron Sorkin one hmm. and a little bit of the Ron Howard one, but the James Cameron one, I can't wait to get to. And it's it's a little pricey, but I know Masterclass has a deal where you can basically partner with someone yeah. to, to kind of split the cost of it. But it's absolutely worth it. If you want to work in film, I, I can't recommend Masterclass enough. Oh, in fact, I think people need
1: to realize that just because, I mean, shoot, people pay a ton of money for film school. If you're not willing to continue to invest in yourself uh, and, you know, a couple hundred bucks a year, you know, yep. whether it be, you know, an Audible account or some, like some sort of where you're constantly educating yourself on the industry or the things that interest you to become better and, you know, understand and appreciate things even more. I mean, I mean, it's like people should be. If you're not willing to invest in your own education continually, then maybe you should rethink this industry.
0: But For sure. I did want to circle back uh, to a little bit earlier in your career as we start to, to wrap things up. You mentioned working on Dumb and Dumber and Independence Day as mm-hmm. as a PA. What were some of the biggest lessons you learned from those specific projects?
1: That's a great question. That was when I was like, like in middle school or high school so long ago. But... Um, I, I remember being kind of, because, uh, like, for example, out on the salt flats in Salt Lake, they used to have, like, that's where Area 51 was supposed to be. Or, in fact, we were actually filming in downtown Provo, like, University Avenue, and up in, like, Park City for, like, some of the dub- doubled as, like, Aspen, Colorado. In fact, at the time when Salt Lake International Airport looked completely different, that's how it was supposed to be the same airport. But it was interesting because then the, when I got to view, you know, I remember being there on certain days and certain shoots. And then a while later when the movie came out and I seen it, seen it on screen, I was like, man, that's, that's movie magic because it's different. It's just different than what you're kind of experiencing. And that's where it comes down to like the, the director or the person with the eye, what are they, what are they seeing through the lens? What are they telling us? What are they showing us that is important to look at because, you know, everybody's going to have a kind of a different interpretation, but Um, Jim Carrey, he seemed really nice. I didn't really get to interact with him too much, but, um, then there were, of course, just a ton of people. A lot of the, a lot of the stuff was really separated back, back in the day, back then, um, different, you know, multiple splintered different groups, things have much more streamlined since then in a lot of ways, but I don't know. I learned, I learned a lot. Uh, I, I felt, I learned that I, I really enjoyed the process and all the excitement it's long and hard and grueling a lot of days but if you enjoy storytelling if you enjoy being a part of that magic of storytelling and the movie making process then then you then it's something obviously you have to be in if it's if it's not as glamorous as you think or as you hoped it would be then you know maybe find something more glamorous but um, cuz it is it is very difficult work very hard work
0: for sure but there there's no bigger reward I think than when you conceive a project from start to finish and you see it completed.
1: Oh yeah. In fact, what's really fun. The other thing that Jim kind of, uh, inspired me to do was uh, I started out a franchise franchise that, uh, that, uh, we've been working on for quite some time with weta workshops down in New Zealand. And we've spent tons of money developing out this world, which is really exciting. I'm excited to talk more about that some other time, but in fact, even more recently we've for well for the past couple of years, we've been working on this. Uh, other franchise called the Supernatural University and we have all these we are talking about earlier about um, the uh, Ninja Turtles for example and the Ninja Turtles like those, those puppeteering and the animatronics all that kind of stuff feels more kind of gritty and real than too much CGI again I love good CGI I'm just saying that there's something those practical effects the, the stuff that inspired me when I was a kid watching the Labyrinth and the Never Ending Story and you know Willow and all these different things those to me were uh, fun and now i actually we have a story one of the movie that we're going to be filming it's called lichen um, and we're actually going to be doing an animatronic you know actual uh, werewolf type creature and it's uh it's just absolutely fun to be able to be a part of that uh to be actually be creating our own stuff at this point so
0: uh,
1: anyway it, that's something you can kind of keep a lookout for as we move forward as the the super in fact it, uh, it's actually a real uh university that we've created where you can learn about cryptids and paranormal and aliens and all sorts of, you know, claims around the world and streamlined in this kind of clearinghouse of the supernatural university where you can actually get like a PEHD, a paranormal expert honorary degree. And, and uh, anyway, it's a lot of fun, but that is like our Hogwarts that's in all of our different movies as well. So each one of our movies ref- references back to this real life supernatural university we've created.
0: I love that. Well, I definitely have to have you back on to talk more about it. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you mentioned at the beginning of the conversation, you're growing up, loving movies like Ninja Turtles. You mm-hmm. specifically mentioned Batman '89. So I've got to yeah. ask because I know we're both fans. Are you excited to see Michael Keaton back in the Flash oh, movie next year? It,
1: I'm just so excited that my generation uh, <laughs> that grew up watching all this stuff is now are now the ones making the decisions, knowing how much it's going to mean to see like. Uh, you know, see that stuff, the multiverse, the way they're able to bring all this stuff back is just absolutely genius because they're giving the audience and us geeks and nerds exactly what we want. And, and I, and I got to, I commend them because they're doing, they're doing the best job at learning, you know, tying all the stuff together. And anyway, so yeah, they're going to keep, I'm going to just keep handing them bags of money, just take the money because <laughs> I love it. I love when they do that.
0: For sure. And you know, when they release that, that kind of teaser trailer a couple of months ago and you hear michael keaton's voice and you just see the silhouette at the end of the trailer of him as batman i'm just like <gasps> yeah. i'm just like i you've i'll be there opening day you've already you've you've got my money i don't yeah. need to see anymore this is, it's yeah. like with with spider-man so, i mean the, the the spider-man movie will already be out once this interview airs but it's like that you know i've seen enough where like i don't need to watch any more commercials i don't need to see any more trailers you've got my money i'm just ready to see it
1: oh yeah Oh, yeah. In fact, it's fun because uh, my my brother Tyler, he actually worked on the the original Spider-Man movie trilogy. Oh, fantastic. Um, and so it was, it's fun. It was fun to actually go meet Sam Raimi. In fact, uh, he invited me on set and Sam Raimi was like the nicest guy in the world. And so to be able to see Sam Raimi's vision of Doc Ock and Sandman and Green Goblin, to be able to bring that full circle, tie it in, what, 20 years later is is Again, so masterfully done, and I and I respect the greats. And I just, anyway, those guys are incredible.
0: Yeah, no, I have very fond memories of that original Spider-Man trilogy because it was like right at the end of my high school tenure. So I, I have very vivid memories of you know, going to the theater, you know, opening day for all three of them oh. to watch them. So,
1: oh yeah, I, I I can't even. In fact, we used to call this uh, the the little uh, theater in our town, ta- in our hometown, uh, Sticky Floor Cinemas but it, it, just the experience of sometimes kind of walking down the aisle with all the drinks, spilled and stuff, you know, <laughs> never cleaning up, but it's like, it was fine because like I had such incredible experiences. In fact, I watched Ninja Turtles there and the Batman there and like, nothing was like more impactful than me than maybe, maybe labyrinth, you know, around the same time. But those had such an impact on me that I was like, I have to be a part of this. And, and I, and that hap- if that happens to you as well, then, then you probably should, uh, should pursue it because it is fun it is you know it's it's a hard grueling work but it's so worth it it's like you said it's so satisfying once you're able to create something
0: absolutely uh, do you have any website or social media that you'd like to plug so the viewers and listeners can follow you oh sure um well let's see uh, the I think the
1: biggest thing is the uh the supernatural university right now uh there let's see I should have one of those linkedin linked trees where it kind of shows where we have the franchise of End of an Empire and the and the and the franchise of the Supernatural University, but through IMDb and uh, um, if you actually just, in fact, I don't know that's a that's a really good question. I don't have this website set up for it yet, but if you're interested, yeah.
0: And oh, well. finally, I like to end the interview with this: What is one thing you have watched recently? It could be a movie or a series that you would recommend to everyone.
1: Oh man. I'm sure everybody's seen Breaking Bad by now, um, just with seeing incredible like storytelling. Um recently, my goodness. I was really surprised. So my my tighter actually worked on a lot of these animations, like Kung Fu Pan and stuff. So we really got in, and my kids love watching those as well. But I was really, really shocked at how fun Crude's 2 was. It was actually so much more fun, like you know, uh than it should have been. Uh, so satisfying to watch with kids. So.
0: Yeah, now some of those animated movies can be very surprising. You know, if even if they're not made for someone, say, my age, you know, like nieces or nephews might love them and you watch them, and you're like, oh, it's actually pretty good. So yeah. I'll, I'll have to keep that in mind. I love that you mentioned Breaking Bad because uh, Giancarlo Esposito is actually going to be at a convention in my hometown in February. I can't wait to meet him. He was so good. He's good in everything oh. he does, but in that show especially. Oh, yeah. Just oh (laughs) knocked it out of the park
1: yeah i i love it there is nothing more fun than good talented artists and actors and actresses you just like honing their craft and entertaining us just take drawing us out into a world and just you know uh making it believable i think there's there's nothing more nothing more fun you know to be able to have that escape and movies
0: so absolutely Zach, thank you so much for taking the time to join the show. We'll definitely have to have you back on sometime. Oh, absolutely. Thanks so much for letting me take the time. You have a great one. Thank you again to everyone for taking the time to revisit this fun conversation with Zach Thompson from the Feature Presentation Podcast. We'll have more coming up over the next couple of weeks, including next week where we'll be revisiting my conversation with filmmaker Jeff Ballow He is primarily known as a screenwriter, but he also starred in the cult classic Don't Tell Mom, The Babysitter's Dead. And this was one of the more insightful conversations that I had back on the feature presentation podcast. So be sure to check out that fun episode coming up next week. In a future episode, sometime between now and the end of the year, I will be having filmmaker Alicia Marie back on the show. Uh, you might remember her uh, appearing on the podcast a couple of years ago to talk about her feature film, Zombies. Well, Zombies is finally going to premiere here in the Gulf Coast area. Um, I'll include a link in the show notes where you can purchase your tickets, but she'll be coming back on the show to talk about the premiere um, sometime in the next couple of weeks. We haven't nailed down an exact date yet, but uh, stay tuned to social media to find out more information on that. And speaking of social media, if you want to follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, if you want to subscribe to the YouTube channel or the podcast feed, everything is in one convenient location, linktree.com slash Podcast. And if you could... You know where I'm going with this. If you could please rate and review the podcast, it's very much appreciated. It only takes a moment of your time, and it really does help with the exposure for the podcast because the more ratings and reviews the show has, the more likely it is to pop up for people that are searching for new podcasts to listen to. So that would be very much appreciated. But that's going to do it for this special episode of the podcast. Be sure to come back next week for another look back at the Feature Presentation podcast here on the Derek Diamond Experience podcast.